On this episode of Video Culture, we'll talk Samuel L. Jackson with The Long Kiss Goodnight and Changing Lanes. Did you rewind it? I don't know. In a time where everyone has a podcast... In a place where everyone has an opinion. Two heroes, Matthew and Ryan, against all odds, are here to save your movie viewing experience from total disaster. Your trip through the video aisles of yesteryear begins now. There will be chills. There will be thrills. And there's a good chance that Ryan will have a coffee spill. They'll discuss the quality, cultural significance, and more detail, frankly, than you bargained for. Here's your host, Ryan Acri and Matthew Essery. And welcome to another video, uh, excuse me, welcome to another episode of Video Culture. I'm your host, Ryan Acri. And I'm Matthew Essery. And this week we're talking... The great Samuel L. Jackson. That's oh my right. Gosh. Dun, 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 dun. Got to talk about Sam Jackson. Dun, 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 dun. Should be a real fun time. I mean, this guy is Jules from Pulp Fiction. He is Mace Windu from Star Wars. And he is Nick Fury from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, I mean, he's this guy so many, has so many iconic roles. Yeah, amazing, amazing screen presence. I'm it. it it's absolutely, uh, you know, uh, amazing. I mean, he's a he's a wonderful actor and a true blue movie star. Yes, and a, and a, and an unusual and an unusual movie star in the fact that he got he became a star very late in life. Yeah, but but thankfully he's still with us. He's still going strong and. We just, we've been looking for a reason to talk about Sam Jackson really since the show started. So I'm glad I'm glad they were finally checking another name off the proverbial list with this one. Well, I I just really hope that Samuel like writes an autobiography one day um, because he's had just a incredible uh, interesting life. I was doing a little bit of uh, research and you know and doing my research for the notes and everything else. And if you haven't like understand like he was an usher for. You know, uh, Martin Luther King's Jr.'s funeral. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's just absolutely, I mean, absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, he's he's worked with Spike Lee. He's worked with, you know, Steven Spielberg, uh, you know, in, in Jurassic Park. He's worked with, you know, Lucas. He's worked with Quentin Tarantino. And not just like his movie stuff, but I mean, just where he kind of became, um, you know, into acting. And I know I also have a we also have a personal connection with with him if you don't know uh, Matt, but he is he uh, grew up uh, and spent a little bit of time in his childhood in Chattanooga and is a big University of Tennessee fan. Well, then that. that makes him that makes him all right with me. <laughs> yeah, I saw him in an interview one time. He was wearing a big UT hat. It's like, yeah, my balls. I was like, his balls. Like, okay, sure. 
Um, he's, but all, he's, a, he's, all, he's also a big cult movie fan. So, I mean, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a guy like us. He loves movies. Yeah. So I've always yeah. been a big fan because of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. Um, I, so before we get started though, I kind of want to ask you, uh, I mean, I know that he was like Jules in, in Pulp Fiction and you never really know the first time that you see uh, an actor like, um, you know, what they're all about or whatever. Um, but where I, I know what movie that I like really fell in love with his, you know, his acting and his style. And I was like, this guy's like really awesome. What was your movie that you saw of his? Well, the first one I ever saw with him in it where I noticed him was Jurassic Park. Okay. And, you know, he's he's not in it very much, but he's got he's got a few memorable scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I really became a fan, of course, I think it's like everybody else is with Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. I saw that in the theater during its first run, and, man, did he blow me away. You know, I mean, he's yeah. just so magnetic in that film. Right. So much screen presence, and he, and he gets he gets all the best speeches. Um, like you can really tell that he's Tarantino's favorite character in that movie, right? Uh, but yeah, he's just to me such that's such a movie star making turn in that movie. Yeah, like he goes from being a good actor to being a true movie star by the time it's over with. Right. Yeah, I remember him in Pulp Fiction, but then like later on seeing Jurassic Park and be like, oh wait, that's that guy. Uh, <laughs> You know, and not that he's forgettable, but uh, he does, you know, like die like middle of the movie and he's not one of the main characters. Um, And the the other thing um, that that where I really noticed him is, like I said, is Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he he blew me away. But like I said, you never really know um, if that's just like the director kind of like coaching somebody or, or like what. But he really blew me away when I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance and, you know, how he, you know, treated, you know, uh, you know, how he was just like full out in that movie. Like he did not hold back, I don't think. And he was, yeah, he was, he, he just really, to me, felt like he was really committed, you know, to that yes. role. And, and that's what really, you know, surprised me. It's like, yeah, he can be this cool kind of like Jules character, but then, you know, when he, you know, came out, you know, when he was in Die Hard, it was, uh, I mean, it's like, man, this guy's for real. Well, I mean, what that's so impressive about Sam Jackson is he uh, he never lets anyone act him off the screen. And you really see that in the beginning with Die Hard with a Vengeance because he really goes toe-to-toe with Bruce Willis in that film as far as, as, far as pure, like, star power and charisma. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he... I mean, he really is the co-lead of that movie, and like he, he doesn't get it. I mean, he stands up as tall as Willis does in that film, and and that's one of the better to me. That's one of the better Bruce Willis action films. Yeah, and uh, that's one of my to favorite. Me, Sam Jackson basically steals the movie from him. Right. Well, and 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 in speaking of the reason that I mentioned that is that uh, not only that uh, movie, um, the that Die Hard with a Vengeance was directed by Rennie Harlan. But he also directed The Long Kiss Goodnight. Well, no, I'm sorry, I've got to correct you there. Uh, you're oh. thinking Rennie Harlan did Rennie Harlan did Die Hard Two. Oh, right. Oh, uh, I'm D- sorry. Die Hard Three was Die Hard with a Vengeance was the great John McKiernan. Oh, so n- no, no angry letters, people. No angry letters. <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely correct. I'm wrong. But but that's yeah. still a bit. That's still it's a nice little segue though. You're right. Yeah, so yeah. he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't Die Hard film, and that Long Kiss Goodnight was directed by a Die Hard director. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the great Rennie Harlan. Uh, right, who did who, Nightmare, uh, on Elm, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Ventures of Ford Fairlane, 
Die Hard 2, like you mentioned, Cliffhanger, and also Cutthroat Island. Which, yeah, less said about Cutthroat Island, but it was also mostly, uh, sadly, was morally famous for being Mr. Gina Davis for a while. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, because he, I mean, well, of- yeah, because he was married to Gina Davis between 1993 and 1998, and then, you know, like, directed, basically, you know, they, they did movies together, where they did both... Uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight. They did Cutthroat Island, which was like what ninety five, um, and then did this movie. Did they do another movie together too? I think. Not that I can remember, because I mean yeah. Cutthroat Island did not do well, right? And yeah, so that was kind of the end of their partnership. Um, mm-hmm. but I might be, I might be forgetting one, but I don't think I am. Um, right. So and then, but but the other thing that I was going to mention about the longest goodnight is written by another guy that we've talked about in the show, Shane Black, who was a writer mm-hmm. of the Lethal Weapon, you know, one and two. The mon- he wrote the Monster Squad, right? Like we mm-hmm. talked about the Monster Squad, the yeah. Last Boy Scout, the Last Action Hero. He also wrote Iron Man three. So. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've 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 spoken at length about how much I love Shane Black on on, on the show. I mean, right. he is to me he's one of the few truly rock star screenwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, like you hear you hear Shane, nothing sounds like Shane dial Shane Black dialogue, but Shane Black dialogue. I mean, he's got such a unique way of doing banter and like character conversation. Mm-hmm. That's just it's, it's so unique and so fun and just witty, mm-hmm. and it's just very unique to him. Right, and and it's not just like, you know, pure action movie where it's just a bunch of puns and a bunch of, pun, you know, like, you know, silly jokes or whatever. Like, you know, not no. every time, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, well, I actually, I actually saw, uh, I saw, I saw a, a, another critic, a guy named Justin DeCloy, was talking about Shane Black once. And he said that Shane Black ha- writes uh, hangout films that are basically characters having conversations that also just happen to have just immaculate action beats in them. Like yeah. they're basically these shaggy dog movies of, of characters just kind of bantering and talking and and being around each other. But then there'll be like a really cool explosion, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like I love the scenes where uh, Sam Jackson and and Gina Davis, like uh, Agent, I don't know what to call her. Like she's either Charlie or she's either Samantha. She kind of has this like I, I always think of her as Charlie. Uh, I always think of her as Charlie Baltimore whenever yeah, I Charlie. think about it in my head. Right. So, and then Sam Jackson, Samuel Jackson plays Mitch Hennessy, but like where, uh, where Charlie and Mitch are hanging out in the hotel rooms together. I mean, there's like two different hotel room scenes where they're just kind of like hanging out, you know? And, and scenes of them like driving in the car, kind of just chatting with each other. Yeah. Um, you know, and, like that's to me that's the the strength of like Shane Black's writing is that he can make those scenes really bounce with energy, mm-hmm. and on top of that he can do a really cool convoluted action sequence with a lot of moving parts. Like he'll do the, he does these really great escalating like action beats, mm-hmm. like the way the villain dies in like the Last Boy Scout or the way the villain dies in the Longest Goodnight, where it just kind of like it's ramping up of just ridiculousness. It does ramp. Like yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like it starts off like and just builds and builds and builds and builds, and he knows how to how to build it where there's just like a really big crescendo, like at the end or whatever. And yeah, and it, and it, and it's completely ridiculous, but it's so much fun you don't care. Yeah, it is ridiculous. <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, and uh, but th- yeah, but like you were saying though, the conversations like they were having in the car. 
Like I remember when they, you know, they're first driving away and, and uh, Mitch notices, you know, like a, you know, a girl's boobs as she's jogging and, you know, Charlie makes a comment about it. Like, really? That's what you're going to do? He's like, Hey, you know, I'm a man or whatever. It's like, you know, kind of, I noticed those things. It was kind of, it was kind of a sexist conversation, but still it's, it's, you know, it's there. Like he, he, he plants those things in there. Well, just these little things that, that that inform the characters, let you know who the characters are. They don't necessarily move the plot forward. Like there's this big, there's this big thing among like film fans nowadays where they talk about you know anything that doesn't move the plot forward is unnecessary. And I always thought that was you know a bunch of crap because so much of what makes movies interesting are the idle moments where characters are just kind of living in the space. You know because you know our, our, your life is not just like you know. M- moment to moment that all seems like it matters the l- life is happening while you're waiting for those moments to happen yeah it, it, so it, when, it, when when film has that it feels more organic and real yeah it gives them gives them depth and you know makes pulls you in a little bit more to the story besides just like uh you know something like uh, i mean i love independence day but it's just like you just go from scene to scene to scene to scene to scene and you don't really get to spend a lot of time with the characters really yeah like like i can't see like will, will like if if will smith went to like a like a restaurant how would he order food in the character in independence day how would he do that i don't know how what he would order at a restaurant but i've got a pretty good <laughs> idea of what of what Sam Jackson's Mitch Hennessy would order if he went to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Because I've spent, I feel like I've spent time with a character just existing. I have a better idea of who that character is. He's more fleshed out. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good explanation of things. Um, like how how well do you do you know them and how comfortable are you with them uh, or whatever. Um, but let's talk about the other uh, people in the the movie too. There wasn't a whole lot of like big main stars except for one guy i noticed uh david morse um yeah 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 david morse and yeah, the great brian cox we can't forget yeah, brian cox, brian cox too right who's in super troopers and manhunter mm-hmm. um yeah um rushmore right which we which we did on the show mm-hmm. uh He's the worst student we have, you know, <laughs> the great, the great Brian right. Cox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but David Morris is good too. Uh, he's in another movie with Sam Jackson called The Negotiator. Right. Uh, I'm, I, I do like David Morris quite a bit. He's one of those great, like, everyman actors. And, and, um, and everybody should remember who he is. If you haven't seen The Long Kiss Goodnight, he is uh, the dad in contact. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> he, he always yeah. plays this nice, like, you know, soft-spoken kind of burly guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's he's yeah. Castian's type in this because spoiler, he's one of the bad guys in this. He's and one of the bad he's meant guys. to be disarming because you think he's like the burly, like 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 every man sort of type. But oh no, wait, he's a bad guy, right? Uh, which which is one of the surprises. But really, so much of this movie is a showcase for the great, and we've talked about it before on the show. But just the great, the the luminescent Gina Davis. Gina Davis, right? And and she is uh, just a, I mean. She's a goddess in this movie. She really is. Yes. She is so sweet. And like I said, she just lights up the screen. She's mm-hmm. just so, like, it's so, it's so nice to spend time with her character. Like, I mean, e- e- either one of her personas, like her, like, nice, like, school girl, am- 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 school teacher amnesia persona. Yeah. Her, like, badass killer hitman persona. They're both, she, she does both of them so well. And 
I always forget it, what, what just a great movie star and actress she is. It it and was she, yeah. when she's on screen, you just want to look at her. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, in nineteen, I mean, Gina Davis. We we talked about her on Fletch. I mean, we talked about. Her, I mean, she was in Fletch, The Fly, Beetlejuice, uh, Thelma and Louise, and then in nineteen ninety two, she did A League of Their Own. Uh, and then in 94, she did uh, Speechless, 95's Cutthroat Island. So 1996, A Long Kiss Goodnight. Now, Long Kiss Goodnight, she does play kind of like this, you know, kind of like Jekyll and Hyde type of character. Where almost, she mm-hmm. almost has like the split personality almost, uh, where it's kind of a mix between the born identity, right? Where she's like this weird, like CIA, like program killer, but then she's like, you know, hiding... You know, in and uh, uh, as like a school teacher in Connecticut or whatever, yeah. as like she as, doesn't realize she's a killer, right? Yeah. As Samantha Kane, uh, but then after that, she also becomes like the main kind of like you know action hero that we see like in Die Hard. So it's like you could almost write you know this movie like with the guy, but I don't know if it would be as as memorable of a movie. I don't think. You know, because it was just so different from it being like a a woman sort of action action hero. Well, that was definitely something you didn't see a lot in in Hollywood films at the time, and something that you saw in like French films or you saw like in Hong Kong movies. They will often have like badass female action heroes in international cinema, but it wasn't really common in 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 Hollywood. Mm-mm. So this was it was a big deal at the time that Gina Davis was going to play like a a you know shoot 'em up kind of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like the big that was like a big selling point of the movie, like in like the early like you know um, advertising of it, like oh Gina Davis is going to be an action hero. What isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Like that's what all the like the Entertainment Tonight things were about about the movie at the time. Well, I mean, and if you had a woman as a as a villain, she was a really you know terrible you know villain like in basic instinct or you know like la femme nikita like they were always like this really horrible person or whatever right they were like the main bad guy they weren't like the action hero type you know what i mean yeah Um, and and like this was this was really i mean it really is almost like a like a like it's it's like an arnold schwarzenegger film Mm-hmm. But with, with instead of Arnold, it's just it's a it's beautiful Gina Davis. It's beautiful like life, Gina Davis. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I mean, just like, like right. angelic looking Gina Davis with like yeah. two machine guns, six foot you know? tall, with like a six foot wide smile. You know what I mean? She's just like yeah. You know, she's just so beaming. Um, it's it's just yeah. so great. But yeah, she does have to play this kind of like really like dual character, and then Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, he's just so good at, at, at playing. Uh, I mean, he can play like a really, really good guy or a really, really bad guy. But here's a guy who's kind of like in the middle, right? He's a private investigator, but he's also kind of, you know. In a way, he's almost the audience surrogate for the movie. Like, right. I mean, he's he's sort of like he's sort of like the partner. He's like he's like the the Danny Glover to use like Lethal Weapon as a as a as a touchstone for. It. He's like the Danny Glover in this relationship. But mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, he's also meant to be the kind of the isn't this crazy character? Like there's always a character who's like this is insane. Why are we doing this? And then like that's sort of his role in this film, right? Um, the the one kind of main problem I found with it is that. Really, the the kind of plot is kind of like really far fetched, and it almost seemed yeah. like 
I didn't even really get where the like what the bad guys' motives were. The bad guys yeah. were the CIA, but then they're gonna blow up and kill four thousand people, and then like how is this to, gonna happen? To increase, and, to increase funding, right? Yeah. And then how uh. is Gina? How is uh, Char? How is uh, Charlie gonna get out? And like everybody's like captured, yeah. but then they're not captured. Then they're captured again. It's just like it kind of goes back and forth, and then. Yeah, I, t- I talked about this when we did uh, the last Boy Scout, which you can hear in our archives on the website. But and I said that the same thing then. I-, I I love Shane Black's movies. I do. I mean, he's one of my favorite sc- screenwriters. But his actual plots, like his actual like MacGuffins that motivate the plot, yeah, are almost always needlessly complicated. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I mean, I'm like, and, and and this one is too. Just like yeah. like the like, I, I I defy you to watch the last Boy Scout. And then explain to me the bad guy's plan in like in like two or three sentences. You can't yeah. do it. Something about football and they're gonna blow up bombs and like yeah, like yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen <laughs> I've seen Last Boy Scout easily ten times. I can't tell you what his plan is. You know. Yeah. And he, I I watched Longest Goodnight yesterday. Right. And I cannot tell you exactly what their plan was. Well, I mean, has something to do with like it's faking a terrorist attack, right? Well, I mean, and, it, and it's yeah. and it's typical action sequence where it's like, how oh, I'm going to tell you my plot and then like leave you here to die that you'll never be able to escape, but yet you'll still escape and still thwart my plan, you know. And and that's the, and that's fine because that's not why you to me that's not why these movies work at all. Yeah. Why these movies work is what we talked about. It's the banter. It's the it's the clever character dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's what makes. Uh, Shane Black movies worth watching is the is the quotable quotables you know yeah like uh you know you're gonna die screaming and I'm gonna watch you know yeah you know stuff like that you know right. or like Sam Jackson's little like singing thing the da na 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 you know <laughs> yeah that stuff yeah, yeah. I mean that's the, that's the stuff that sticks with you about Shane Black movies mm-hmm. are those character moments mm-hmm. and that's true of all of his films to me and I I, I love all of them right but the story the, the actual like plots. Are almost always the worst part of them. Yeah, I remember trying to explain it to my wife, and I'm like, I don't. Uh, and there's like bombs and CIA, and you know they're gonna get back, and like, uh, oh man, I don't know. It's, just yeah. goes it's really back just a reason for like Gina Davis to fire machine guns and for Sam Jackson to be cool and funny. Right. Well, even at the end, where the president like asked Charlie, like, "Well, do you? Yeah, if any anything you need, you know, let me know." And she's like, "Oh, there is one thing," and then like. All of a sudden, you see, uh, you know, the final scene is like uh, Mitch uh, Samuel L. Jackson on on the Larry King show, and I'm like, what does yeah. this have to do oh, with anything? Uh, like- yeah, and, and like, in like, it doesn't even make sense though, when Larry King's explaining why he's there. You know, yeah, right. uh, it's more of just like the visual gag of having that character on the Larry King live show. Yeah, you know? right. Uh, but still, I, I I I do I really do love the Long Kiss Goodnight, even though the plot makes very little sense. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I just get so much fun. It is because again, it's got it's got cool scenes. Gina Davis is iconic. Yeah. Uh, Sam well, Jackson's I mean, hysterical. Well, I mean, it is it is kind of awesome. I think to you know see like Gina Davis, like see Charlie, see the character. Uh, kind of developed from this like school teacher into like this hired assassin, like you know, killer or whatever. Even though it's from this like regressed memory or something like that, but yeah, just see the character develop or whatever. 
So I, that's that's one of the reasons that you know I kind of liked it, um, and it's kind of fun, and and the pace like never lets you down. Um, no, so there's always well. yeah, it moves it, it moves very quick. I think it's like two hours long, but like you hardly ever feel it because there's always it's always just like continually moving. So. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's one thing about it. You, you don't really have time to stop and think about how little it makes sense. Mm-mm. That's it, it. Really, just it's got a good propulsion to it. Although the final scene, I mean, come on, that was that dragged on a little bit like too far. And I'm sorry, nobody can outrun an explosion. Okay, that's just well, that's just, that's, just that's just action movie stuff, man. Yeah. You have to. You have to have that, and to me, that's that's just that's tropes of a genre. Of course, you're going to be able to dramatically outrun the grenade or dramatically out out outdrive the huge bomb oh, because right. that's what action heroes do. Yeah, uh, you know? I I do have one bit of trivia that I'll go ahead and and say now instead of, of holding okay. on to the notes is that in the original ending, Samuel L. Jackson's character does die of his wounds, but when they showed it. And, uh, you know, in, in the test screening, uh, somebody, you know, I don't know if they stood up and shouted, but they shouted, you can't kill Sam Jackson. And so they <laughs> like, yeah, in the, they, mean, like shouted in the theater and they're like, OK, so they went and recut it where he didn't die. Well, and that's that's I think it's part of why the ending is the way it is, too, because it's, it's kind of meant to be a victory lap for that character because he is so likable. You want him to succeed. Yeah. And uh, that's a testament to how charismatic he is. Like, I mean, this whole episode's about him, but because he really elevates the movie. I'm like, I mean, he's really the glue that holds it all together. Mm-hmm. He's charming. He's he, he can he helps bring like uh, gravity to the scenes. He brings humor. Mm-hmm. He brings a sense of of realism. Like yeah. he really, he is he is the like glue and cement that holds all these disparaging parts together in in this film. He really is. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, I it had been a while since I watched it, and I didn't realize that like uh, the doctor that they found, I thought that he was going to be the one that like really help you know them sort of carry everything on, and he dies like pretty quickly after they meet. And, you know, Samuel Jackson's character, Mitch, has to, you know, kind of carry everything through. Uh, but, I mean, he was the one, the, the idea that came up with the idea of, like, uh, going to, like, the the telephone place and, like, patching a phone, you know, through or whatever. Uh, yeah. Something that's, you know, would be really confusing to kids watching it nowadays, you know. Right. The, but it, the old 1990s technology. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, like, uh, it was kind of ingenious. And it's not something um, that you would, like, normally think about, like, in a movie or whatever. I thought that was yeah. another one of, like, Shane Black's, like, really cool, you know, ideas that's a little bit different than what we we typically see in a lot of action movies. Yeah. Oh no, I I I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me those those little things, those little bits of cleverness are are one of the uh, are one of the hallmarks of of Black's work, and uh, and it's a testament that, that 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 you know Sam Jackson could could deliver those those bits of you know cleverness and have be completely believable. Like it seems like a reasonable thing that someone could come up with. Yeah, like it doesn't feel super contrived. Yes. Um. What is uh. What would you say is, is there anything that you would like fast forward through? Uh, I I really like like ninety five percent of this movie a great deal. Like I yeah. love the long kiss goodnight. The one scene I actually don't like very much, mm-hmm. and it's only one, and it's a brief thing. I don't like the scene where she ice skates at the end. Oh. Like she's at one point where she's trying to save Sam Jackson, and she t- 
takes takes time to put on ice skates and skates across the frozen lake. Mm. That's just a little too. I mean, in a movie full of contrived things, yeah. for some reason that one really bothers me. Yeah, I don't even know why. I can't really even quantify it. Right. But that one moment, I don't really like very much. No. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't quite. I don't quite get that either. Or are you talking about when they were at the house or whatever, and she had to like run across the lake or whatever to? Yeah, she 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 like she they show her picking up her ice skates, and then she. Basically, ice skates with the sniper rifle on her back. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, because she's yeah, yeah. trying. Because they get something trying from to catch house. Up the car. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's circling the block, and then like they find him, and she's having to do yeah. all that. Yeah. What um, about you? Well, what what scenes don't don't you like about this one? Um, I mean, I don't know. I've always found like the jump out of a window and like shoot the shoot the ice. Like that's I don't know. I just feel like that's played out all the time now. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's definitely a trope of the genre, and it, and it, and it, it definitely. I mean, I, it was even tired back then, but like I said, because it's just to me, that's just bait to me. To me, because that is an action film, I just let stuff like that go because it's an action film. Um, yeah. But enough being negative about this one. What's a scene that you really love? What's your rewind and savor one for this one? Um, the um, uh. Where Gina Davis is in the shower? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the scenes at the Taj Mahal, like hotel or whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I love the, those banter uh, scenes between like her and, and Sam Jackson, especially when she, you know, sort of accepts her, you know, and like kind of, you know, it, it was always, it was meant to be like when she was kind of water tortured or whatever, that like that's how awoken like Charlie within her or whatever. It's kind of this weird sort of thing but but still when she like sort of accepts her you know sort of her character or whatever um as as Charlie I thought I I thought the a little bit of the um her coming on to to you know Mitch was a little bit too much um uh, but I I I you know I like the banter between the two yeah um I, I like I said I, I love so much of this movie. I could pick out a thousand different things. So I'll just mention, mention a couple things that I really like about this movie. Mm-hmm. I really love everything when she's when she still thinks she's a school teacher. Like I, I find like long haired, long curly haired, like like school mom mm-hmm. Gina Davis to be the cutest thing in the world to me. All right. Like I just love I, I just love her with her like her little winter hat with like the little flaps and like I just find that so adorable. Mm-hmm. Like I just I find her so charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but then again, I'll oh, go ahead. Uh, I also I also like the, the scenes where she's fully embraced like the the action here stuff like when she's like she's in the basement and she's firing the machine guns or like when she's uh, threatening the guys at the end when they're about to put her in the in the frozen locker yeah you know because yeah. she, she, she's so good at both being adorable and cute and being confident and badass I think she's oh. it's such a great performance I could really pick out a hundred different things that I really like about this movie so I'll say ninety five percent of it I just love to death. Uh, oh, another cringeworthy scene is when, like, in the beginning, where she gets into the car accident, and then, like, there's uh, the, like, the boyfriend's father or whatever, uncle or something like that, is, like, like grazing her boob or something like that, and you're just like, hey, is this really necessary? Like, this is kind of, I don't know. I, yeah, I just, it's, uh... It's kind of a cringy... Yeah, I mean, I I get why it's there, but yeah, but no one likes to see those kinds of. Th- no one likes to see a a nice person get harassed. Yeah, 
you know, especially it's, it's somebody like from your own, you know, family or something like that. Like it's just awkward, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Or somebody that you uh, know really well personally. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of kind of unnecessary or whatever. You don't really see him in the film. Like after the accident, like you don't know what happens, you know, to him. But yeah, it's just like really sort of strange, and I didn't really think that that was necessary. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure she shot him in it's one of the in between scenes when she became a Charlie Baltimore. <laughs> like that's that's in the deleted scenes. Yeah, probably. Is it really? Or are you just joking? No, I'm just oh, making that up. All right, all right. Yeah, turns into it turns into Miss Forty Five for a minute. She just blows him away. Jeez, I don't yeah, know. I was just like, don't touch yeah. me. Anyway, all right. Yeah. So, all right. So let's move on to um to changing lanes. So we talked a lot about Gene Davis, but I mean Samuel L. Jackson, um, you know he did did a lot of stuff in between, you know both these movies. I won't go through his whole like uh, filmography. Yeah, uh, he's he's prolific to say the least. God, he's doing so much movies. I mean, he just works and works and works. That guy, he just works so hard, um, doing all of these movies. Um, but yeah, because he was in like what Unbreakable, Shaft, Rules of Engagement. He was in you know Star Wars movies, Jackie Brown. Um, but then he was in Cha- Changing Lanes with uh, Ben Affleck, and this was like uh, you know a movie where it's like he's a recovering alcoholic trying to you know regather his life, and Ben Affleck's kind of this uh, you know affluent lawyer, and they get into a car accident on the FDR, and you know both like you know um ben affleck's character uh gavin bannock just kind of like leaves the scene and then so they're both kind of like at each other just kind of like back and forth yeah you know a sort of tit for tat kind of you know thing where because uh gavin needs something that he has like he lost a, a file you know very important file that he needs. yeah and and you know sam jackson's character um is um Upset with with Affleck's character because um, Sam Jackson's character basically had his day ruined and caused like the, this whole thing with his kids' custody battle to go badly. Mm-hmm. Basically, changing lanes to me is an offshoot of like you know we talk about we talk about like really specific types of films like we talk about like the one crazy night movie mm-hmm. like the you know where something where you have people in this one night scenario where they meet all these crazy people mm-hmm. all these weird things happen to me. This is kind of an offshoot of that concept, but I always think of these as what you would call one bad day movies. Yeah, where you have where you have normal characters who just have just an incredibly bad day. Right. Like the entire movie takes place in 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 basically twelve hours. Yeah. And it's basically about again just these two characters kind of randomly meet and they end up you know, they they literally collide and they end up basically ruining each other's lives in an instant. Well, been, the whole movie's kind of dealing with the fallout from that, right? Because you know you're kind of in an accident where it's kind of like a, almost like a a, a no fault thing, just because there's like so much traffic and and you can't really see and and uh, but yeah, it's like well you know Gavin kind of caused the accident uh, and caused you know Doyle to be you know late to his thing, but then also that caused Gavin to like lose his file that he had right. So it's like they they both have something, uh, you know, terrible from this accident that should have just been like a, like sort of a no fault thing. But then after that, through the course of, you know, everything else, where Gavin, you know, 
where, where, well, actually, Doyle finds the file. He goes, oh, he wants this file? He goes, I threw it away, but then he goes back and finds it, and and then he's, you know, starts, uh, doesn't make any demands for it, but then, you know, um, Doyle, like, uh, or no, Gavin goes and, and turns off his, his credit and turns off, you yeah, know, makes him bankrupt. it basically becomes this, it becomes this, not to just go through plot by plot, but it becomes this escalated thing where they each basically screw each other over in some way. And he just kind of builds and builds to this crescendo where it gets to the point where they can either finally back down or they can go past the point of no return. Right. Like, like Ben Affleck's character, uh, Gavin, has, has, has Sam Jackson's character's credit turned off. Sam Jackson basically sabotages Ben Affleck's car. Well, um, and, 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 and they both find out that, like, even if things would have gone their way, it wouldn't have even mattered because they're really like in a much worse situation than they thought they were to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. and to me, to, yeah, I, I was gonna say the, the entire movie is is it kind of meant to be about the idea of you know how common common decency and politeness prevent society from breaking down a lot of times, and yeah. both these characters kind of realize that if they had just been considerate to each other. Mm-hmm. That none of this would have happened, right? Like the, the movie's full of irony. Like, like you know, uh, and when they get into, when they get into this car crash, they're actually going to the same location. Yeah, they're both going to the courthouse. And if Ben Affleck had stopped for a second and, and just said, "Hey, man, do you need a lift somewhere?" Right. That that would have solved the entire thing. Yeah, I think Sam and, Jackson's character says that at one point, right? Yeah. Right. And like, and and if and if Sam Jackson hadn't just flown off the handle constantly throughout the movie things that have been better too but he's got a problem with being angry yeah and the movie kind of subtly builds up to that where you don't you don't necessarily realize that's his that's his character flaw but he really does he has a problem he's a temper mm-hmm. and it, and if, if both guys had just kind of stopped and talked to each other none of this would have happened right yep 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 and well i mean and i think that you kind of realize too that that part of the reason why uh, ben Affleck or Gavin Bannock has like a temper is because, you know, he's, uh, you know, uh, a partner in his father-in-law's firm, at, like law firm. And there's millions of dollars at stake for them. You know, I mean, he's under pressure like all of the time. And, you know, one little thing like that to go, you know, certain ways and, and certain things that happen. And there's just a lot of things like and the balance, uh, you know, for all this stuff. And, and um, I mean, that that uh, he at one point he has like, um, you know, he needs this file. So they the the firm, like, the, you know, the father in law and, and, and the other partner, like come up with the idea where they're just going to forge it, where they're going to take us a, a sign page of this, you know, other will and like use it for, you know, the thing to make it look like it's official. Right. They're going to forge documents. And which is a felony, yeah, yeah, which is a felony, but they need to because they know they have the real file, they just need to show the judge something, right? Because they don't have the original, hey, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, my, my thing froze for a second. I'm, 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 I can make sure it's recorded. I'm sorry to stop you. I just wanted to, I think it wasn't recording for a second, so I'm making sure he caught everything, okay? Uh, okay, I think I think we're good, man. Um, okay. yeah, sorry about that. It just it, it didn't look like it was moving for a second, so I, uh, Okay. It's probably just my computer being slow. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, but I, I was worried that we had a snafu there for a second. Um, but anyway, to, to pick up from where, you, where you're saying, um, 
What was that, Doc? Uh, uh, and I'm so sorry, man. I, I just panicked for months. I thought we we may have lost some stuff. But, no, it's okay. No, I'm I'm recording okay. too. So I'm, I made sure I was recording. Okay. So, oh um, well, yeah. You see, you just um. Well, let's just pick it up from. Uh, I'll, here's what I'll do. You can just pick up pick up on where you where you can cut your rant, and I'll I'll just do this. I'll just say I I completely agree. That's a really good point. Oh yeah. Okay. And then we'll, well move on. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know. Let's see. Hold on. Give me a second. Let me think about what I was saying. Um, I'm so sorry. That's okay. No, no, no. Uh, um, oh, um, I was saying they're forging documents. Oh yeah, which I said is a felony. That's where we were. Right. So we'll, we'll pick it. We'll, we'll pick it up from the. Uh, we'll, pick, we'll pick it up from where I said that's a felony. Right, and that is a felony. And they have, you know, the original documents. They just have to show. Uh, you know, the judge something because they lost the original or whatever. And um, so, but it, it's still a felony though. It still doesn't, you know, because they don't have the original or whatever. And that's just crazy to me to think that they're, you know, just driving around with these originals, just like in his, his briefcase. Um, but, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. I mean, sometimes you, you have to do that. You have to show the notarized like thing, but the what I was saying is like the the conversation that Gavin has with his, uh, you know, with his wife at the time, who's played by Amanda Pete. I mean, that was like a really like scary conversation because it was like she's telling him to like there's certain sacrifices that we have yeah. to make to have to afford our lifestyle. And you just need to do this. And I know about your affair and it's okay. And we're married and we're doing this. We're making sacrifices for each other for all these things. So it's like, it's, it's totally just like messed up. Well, and to me, one thing that's interesting, even though they, they do portray Gavin Ben Affleck's character as being in the wrong in, in, a, in a lot of ways, the movie tries really hard to humanize both characters where you can be sympathetic to both of them. Like you can tell that they both, in the end, want to do the right thing. They just don't well, quite know how. And, it's like they they, they got caught in a spiral. And they kind of go back and forth. I mean, their characters are not just like total like one lane. And that's one of the things that you have to remember about the movie. And that's one of the things that I think that some people may not get turned up is because at some points they like want to reverse everything and want to do the right thing, and then other things they like want to take total revenge or whatever. They go back and forth because. They just want this whole situation to be over with, right? They just want it to be resolved, yeah. and they don't really know just, how to resolve it, really. And it's just it's just bad timing. They can't seem to sync up. No. And to me, it's very cathartic at the end, again, spoiler alert, when they finally do decide to do the right thing and just talk to each other. Yeah. And when they talk to each other, that's it's such a cathartic thing. For this. The movie's kind of it's very stressful, mm -hmm. and it's such a relief when they finally get them in the room together and they just listen to each other. Yeah. And you kind of understand where they're both coming from, because mm -hmm. uh, neither of them are bad guys, and that's I think that's where the movie is brave because it could be very easy to make this movie a, not to get too deep into it, but it could be very easy to make this whole thing about power dynamics and white privilege and you know the haves and the have-nots, right? And I think the movie takes a much more interesting perspective by trying to show these just as two flawed guys who want to do good, mm -hmm. but um, feel like they have to do bad to to kind of correct you know, what's happened you know that they they looks like they they had this freak encounter and then things kind of just spiraled out of control and oftentimes when you do something wrong mm -hmm. or you have a freak occurrence and you try to fix it mm -hmm. 
things just get worse and worse, and you try to dig your way out of it, mm-hmm. and it just gets it, the hole just gets deeper as you dig. Well, right, because I think that I think the it kind of shows that you know no matter what position that you're in, whether you are a position of like white power, you know, white privilege. I want to say white power, but why, uh, you know, <laughs> white privilege. Pardon me. Um, yeah. it, it, or, or, you know, somebody who is a recovering, uh, you know, alcoholic, you, you both have power to do the right thing, uh, and also the power to do the wrong thing. Right. And, and the wrong thing, yeah. like you said, causes more chaos, causes more trouble, causes more, uh, you know, damage, uh, to everything. So you, you, you know, everyone has, uh, you know, we, we face these moral, uh, like conflicts and dilemmas and things like that. I mean, I love the scene where, uh, and I'll just go ahead and 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 share my my sort of like savor moment, even though this is kind of like a bad moment where uh, Gavin, you know, goes to uh, confession, right? And he's in the confession thing, and you know, he's he's like confessing, like you know, I got into an accident. And, you know, this guy, he just, like, he wouldn't take my money. He just, like, he wanted to do the right thing. And, and, and I just, you know, and he's like, well, why not? And he's like, I don't know why. And it, it, it kind of, like, that, to me, like, really points out his character flaw. Like, he never really yeah. even, you know, saw him as, and, and, like, bothered to find out why. You know? Yeah. He's just so wrapped up in himself, and they're both completely wrapped up in themselves. They really are in their own yeah. their own chaotic lives, right? And uh, and and the character, you know, the priest acts like that for Ben Affleck's character. One person, one great actor who's in this movie we have not mentioned at all oh, yeah. is the great William is the great William Hurt. Oh yeah, who, you know I mean, from bro- from broadcast news, uh, yeah. from a history of violence. Well, I mean, um, no, that's what I was about he, to say. This this cast actually has like three Oscar winners and like three Oscar, uh, um, yeah, uh, not winners, but like phenomenal. Yeah, the cast is, but has three Oscar uh, nominees. But yeah, William Hurt, you know who we talked about in in broadcast news, but also in the Big Chill, the Village, AI. You know, he's in Avengers as Thaddeus Ross. You have two guys in the Avengers in this movie. You got Nick Fury and yeah. you got Thaddeus Ross. Yeah, you know, but now, the, the, every before, before long, everyone's going to be in the Marvel universe. Well, this so is that's very not going to be a yeah. unique thing eventually. <laughs> You're absolutely right. But, they uh, just keep no, making more Hart, movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but 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 William Hart's great in this because he's he's kind of because he's he plays Sam Jackson's AA sponsor. And he, in a lot of ways, he's the voice of reason. He's like the calm, like he's like the friend you kind of wish you had in your life. If you could call and just be like, "Hey, man, I need advice on what to do here." Just like calming reassurance of you know serenity now you know give me the give me the grace to mm-hmm. you know accept the things I cannot change you know right well I mean I think it's both well for Samuel L Jackson it was both his his wife and it was also uh, the you know the sponsor he didn't he's just credited in the movie as sponsor which I find um, like amazing he doesn't have a, a name in the movie he's just listed as sponsor. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, because the, he winds up saying almost the same thing as, you know, his, his, uh, sort of ex-wife does, right? Like, you gotta let this guy yeah. go. Like, what, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Like, but there's a moment where, where, where Sam Jack's character really, his character really hits rock bottom and his wife confronts him and she goes, it's not that you're, it's not that you're an, uh, an ex-alcoholic. She's like, your drug is not alcohol. Your drug is chaos. Right, because he know, keeps you, saying this you, guy, this guy. It's all like it's all you know. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's like, no matter what, you fly off the handle, you create these, these dramatic scenarios. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we've all known people like that, where everything that happens to them is a big to-do, to use a very Southern way of saying it, or, or is a big production. Well, like, no yeah. matter what it is, everything becomes like this big, you know, thing. Right. And well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's really on. his fault in the film, is he just, he can't ever just, like, Sam Jackson's reaction throughout the movie is to blow up. Well, and every time, and and his character, you know, because he is an alcoholic, because he's he is divorced, and his ex wife just like wants to take custody away, is because you know you get the sense that his character, uh, you know, is always that guy that's like you know just like one thing away. He always tries to make it seem like uh, he's just like one thing away from having everything, right? And but he's but he in reality he's lying. But in this sense, he's actually like really telling the truth, right? And yeah. and and they just don't know it, you know, because he's he's always just like one step kind of behind or whatever. Well, if it wasn't yeah. for this but, guy or if it wasn't for this, you know, yeah. I went, yeah. Like he like he's really trying. He's really trying to do better, and this thing just happened to them, and it it just sounds like one of his excuses, but one it's of really his not. one of his old excuses, right? Yeah, right and then, that's why he gets so frustrated. That's why he has these moments where he flips out. Yeah. But what, again, because the episode is about Sam Jackson, I just want to say that he is phenomenal in this movie. Like he yeah. he plays sympathetic. He can be intimidating. Yeah. He can be treat. I mean, he, he can be uh, strong. Like he yeah. really runs the gamut of emotions in this film, yeah. and he's just so good and so convincing. Yeah. At every turn. Yeah. I mean, when he was in the AA, you know, uh, scene or whatever, and talking about how he's, you know, champagne or whatever, you know, that yeah, was how like he a, feels like champagne. Yeah. yeah. That was an awesome speech. I mean, that really just like pulls you in. You're just like, man, that's awesome. And then also like later on in the movie where he's like at the, uh, you know, at the loan officer where he like takes the monitor and throws it around because, you know, he's, he still has the bankruptcy, you know, like showing on his yeah. credit, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, just... Yeah, he, he just, like, he brings, he brings so much authority to everything he does. Like, so much realism, so much naturalism. Mm-hmm. Like, he's such a, he's such a, I mean, because we become big movie stars, and they become, like, iconic. And let's be honest, Sam Jackson is iconic. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he is almost a character of, in and of himself now. Like, he's yeah. just Sam Jackson. Yes. We sometimes forget that these guys are, pheno- the reason he became this way, because he's a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. He really is. Like, I mean, he can do so much and he can be so believable. Mm-hmm. And he really shows it here in this little movie that no one ever really talks about anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because he can he can do he can do calm surprise. I mean, he yeah, he he just runs the emotional gamut, really. Uh and then when he is, I mean, everybody wants him to say MFR in the movies, right? Because he's just so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because he is like, you know, very intimidating. I mean, there's a reason why you know he's Jules or what you know and and uh, uh, you know I wouldn't want him somebody like that to come after me you know what I'm saying so yeah like I mean like he like he will like to use that line from a Christmas story he wields profanity like like some people like, like some artists will paint mm-hmm. you know he's an artist with profanity he's right I mean it's just fun to hear him swear as silly as that sounds right but like, I mean he's got a great voice for it but I mean the guy's doing like Capital One commercials now you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. What's in your wallet? You know what I mean. <laughs> oh, just but awesome. So that's why it's that's why it's good to go back and watch movies like this. Again, just remind yourself how great he is and how he got to this point, right? And you know, 
Not to take the spotlight too far off him, but I don't think we've ever talked about Ben Affleck on this show before, have we? We haven't done anything with Ben Affleck. No, we haven't. Um, No, we haven't. He's good in this. Yeah. Like, like, to me, he's a very underrated actor. He always has been. Right. Well, I mean, I I liked Ben Affleck from the beginning when he was in Chasing Amy. I mean, I thought some of those scenes in Chasing Amy uh, were some of the most realistic, like... um, uh, like conversation scenes and you can tell well part of that was the writing of kevin smith but yes ben affleck is uh you know actually you know really good and the fact that how he can you know because he's he's so unsure about what his next move is where he has to become this bad guy he really doesn't want to be the bad guy but then he does you know what i'm saying and then he kind of feels like he has to be right yeah. he feels like he has to be and then he finds out that like, oh, he's living like a lie and these people are like really stealing from people. But then, you know, if he blows the whistle, then he's going down with them all. And yeah, th- yeah. there's there's a moment when, when the realization hits him when he's talking to his wife where he sheds a single tear. And it's a great moment. Like he really sells the realization of just how bleak his world has become, mm-hmm. you know, through through no through small innocuous decisions, how much he's really fallen down the path of damnation. And uh, it's it's such a heartbreaking little scene where he just he's looking at his wife and he realizes how just kind of cold and uncaring his wife actually is, mm-hmm. and uh, he's and like the single tear just rolls down his face as he realizes it, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a great little moment of acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's telling about how like she knew about the affair like when it was happening and all that kind of stuff, and he feels like he's gonna be like find out or whatever, and um. Uh, but yeah, I just, I mean, from the moment that you see him, like, um, just get into the accident or whatever, uh, when they're on the FDR or whatever, the, the first interaction that they have, you know, together, um, is so absolutely great, I think. And I don't think you could have, you know, any other two guys that could pull it off the way that they did for sure. Uh, we haven't even talked about some of the other people that are in this movie. Like I've mentioned the cast, uh, the secretary that he had an affair with is Tony Collette. She was in yeah, Muriel's Hereditary and Knives Out and Knives Out. Yeah, Muriel's she's wedding, a much bigger. The Sixth Sense, yeah, About a Boy, Little Miss Sunshine. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, she's become a much bigger actor since that movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sidney Pollack uh, plays yeah, the, the father-in-law, the, 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 the director. Yeah, is but also an accomplished actor. Yeah, yeah, he's been he, in he's, Tootsie, he, The Firm, The Player, Eyes Wide Shut. And he was in uh, Will and Grace as Will's dad. Yeah. I mean, he's a surprisingly good actor. But then you have the great Richard Jenkins as his partner, you know? Yeah, he was in Six Feet Under, Burn After Reading, Step Brothers, The Shape of Water. Um, I mean, it's just like it's absolutely amazing. And then Amanda Pete, I mean, she was in The Whole Nine Yards, Saving Silverman. I mean, and she can just play this, you know, devilish, you know, kind of woman really well, you know? Yeah, she's got kind of a she's got kind of a, a coldness to her. Yeah, like she's very she's very beautiful, but she can she can play very uncaring very well. Yeah, very sadistic side. I would say just yeah. just absolutely uh, just cold. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely uh, amazing. And and I don't think that really. I mean, it kind of goes back and forth between them, um, uh, between the two of them. Um, Oh, and who also plays the the guy that 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 turns off their credit and stuff like that too? I mean, that was the guy. Oh yeah, it's uh oh god, what's his name? He was uh, in like Happiness and all that kind of stuff. He's on. Um, uh, oh man, if you, like, 
uh, yeah, he he uh, he's he's Doctor Kirk Connors in the in the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies too. What is his name? Oh man, I can't believe I'm looking at it. I'm going to look it up now. So um, I was going to mention, and I you know because you just I, you know how it goes sometimes. You know, you, right? Exactly. When we when uh, you try when you try to do all this stuff, yeah, it's it's uh, all these different characters. Um, uh, let's see, changing lanes. Oh, it's it's Dylan Baker. Yeah, the great Dylan, Dylan Baker. Baker. Who's yeah. who's in a ton of things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Finch. Well, he's in. Uh, Play, that's his character. Like he said he's in Happiness. He's in Trick or Treat. He's in Selma. Mm-hmm. Um, he he played a role on Blind Spot. He was in the Amazon series Hunters. Right. Um, I mean, and, and it's just, just lots of things. Right, and it's just surprising somebody like him and like William Hurt would take like these small parts in this like movie, right? Like, you know, you could have had somebody else play, you know, the sponsor. But you got William Hurt. Yeah. I mean, this guy's won Academy yeah. Awards, you know. And he's playing. Well, like, I think he's only in like this... two or three scenes. Yeah, I, I think this. I think it's because of the script. The script. This. This script. I think is strong. Um, like I think it's. I think it's a really great script, and I think that's probably what they responded to. Mm. Right. 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 So speaking of like the positive things about this movie, um, mm-hmm. so what are what, what are your uh. Rewind and savor moments from Changing Lanes. Um, like I said, I I, I really like the champagne um speech. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite uh lines because it's like that's when even though that it's like kind of early on, it's kind of like when it's you know like uplifting. And the other scene that I really like that we didn't even talk about is that there's one scene where uh at the end where Ben Affleck's character where Gavin comes back to the office and he's like beat down. And he's like, you know, kind of like a, a w, you know, just needs like a, a moment to kind of chill because he knows that everything's like kind of over at this point. And he's kind of like having this WTF, you know, moment um, before he goes to dinner or whatever. And he comes back and there's a guy that's sitting there and he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, you told me to sit because he was doing interviews, you know, for like who's going to be the next intern or whatever. And there's this guy. It's, yeah, it's one of the guys from the Big Bang Theory, right? Yeah, it's the comic book owner from the Big Bang Theory. And he's, like, you know, going through this whole thing about how, you know, he believes people are good and he wants to defend them and all this other kind of stuff. He's, like, very sort of fresh and green and stuff like that. And he goes, you know what? You're hired. You know? Because he's, like, he wants him to show, like, the rest of the, the world about all this other kind of stuff. And then one th- other thing that I thought about it is, like... Think about how loyal that guy is. If you told him to sit and wait, and he waited like the whole day, he didn't like sit there and go, "Well, you know, I got this thing, I gotta go." He sat there and waited the whole time. Well, yeah, the, the movie like talking about how the script is. I think it's really well written. Everything's got everything's got to pay off of some kind in, yeah. in, in the film. Um, like, it, there's no, there's no like, there's no like dangling plot threads. Everything's got every everything every check off every check off's gun is accounted for. Every check off's gun is fired. Mm-hmm. By the time the movie's ever with, um, but yeah, that's a great scene where where he's telling, you know, Ben Affleck's character how he believes in the law, he believes in the goodness people, and Affleck just laughs at him. Yeah. He goes, "Okay, sure, man, you got the job because I, I want you to see if you feel that way in three months from now, or hell, hell, even a month from now, see if you still feel that way." Right? Because he because he's been the entire day seeing how that's not true, how people in his, in his up to that moment to him are not good. Right. And. uh 
and I think like to me, my favorite scene, my rewind moment is uh, is the scene that kind of reaffirms that, like about like when like when those two characters like Affleck and Jackson get together at the end. Yeah, like right after that, the scene, end, right, and, just, yeah. and just talk to each other. Yeah, like to me, that's such a cathartic moment. I love that scene. I love, I love watching them having got to that point where they can just talk. Yeah, I re- I really like that scene a great deal. And I mean, I, I really like the entire movie. I don't think that there's not anything I, to go to go into our next step, which things we would fast forward through. I don't think I would fast forward through anything in this movie. I think it's a very well constructed film. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, and I don't think there's anything that, um, you know, sort of to to fast forward through at all. Um, I mean, I think that it, it's all sort of you know necessary, and I think it's all sort of needed. So, like you said, like every every I is dotted, every T is crossed, and I think it's kind of a slow-moving, uh, you know, kind of drama. Um, it, if, if you look at the advertising, it's more kind of sold as a thriller. And it's, 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 I don't think it's more like that. It's more kind of like a movie like, uh, sort of like Falling Down, where it's just kind of like this slow-moving um, uh, sort of drama, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, 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 uh, the marketing for the movie was really based around the scene where uh, Sam Jackson hits the guy with the telephone, which uh, well, not only it's not really like anything. Yeah, go ahead. Not like anything else in the movie, but also the scene where he he takes the yeah. where he wrecks Matt Affleck's car, so it makes it seem like yeah. it's a much more violent film than it actually is. Yeah. The movie's not like an action movie. It's like I said, it's more of a thriller. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even really call it a thriller. It's more of a it's more of a character study. Yeah, uh, that happens to have a few, a few genre elements to it. But yeah, but the but the marketing was really based around those two moments to make it seem way more like a, in a like a '90s like thriller, like unlawful entry or something like that. You know? Yeah, well, where it was also kind of like where um, there was kind of like you know, like you said, uh, uh, where it was kind of like a you know white privilege versus you know from the streets kind of you know, thing or whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? Even and I think it, like I said, it's much more nuanced than that. For right. Sure. Yeah. Um, cause I don't think both people like hate each other from where, you know, where, where they are in their life. It's just because that they, you know, both have something that each other, you know, want, I guess what I'm saying, like something took somebody you know, from something or, or whatever. So just one, one bad moment, man. Like yeah. history, that one moment of one moment of being inconsiderate can cause, so much damage. So yeah. the lesson in that movie really is to uh, just be try to be patient with each other and listen to each other. Yeah, as hokey as that is, and that's something I try to take to heart. Is and that's something I work on quite a bit in my own life is just trying to be patient and listen to people. Well, yeah, because because like you know the 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 saying goes, you know, you never know what kind of battles that everybody's you know fighting or whatever, right? Exactly. Like even yeah. uh, you know Gavin here is bat- battling his own. Uh, you know, battles of where he's at. You know what I mean? So, anyway. Uh, so let's get into the notes here. Um, hit, me, hit me with some trivia. All right, Long Kiss Goodnight. New Line Cinema paid a record $4 million for Shane Black's script. So it was so, because, I mean, $4 million, that's the highest paid for any script ever. So I don't know if there there must have been like a bidding war or something like that to to make it because there was like this female action hero, you know, kind of thing, and everybody's looking at how much that like 
you know, Die Hard with a Vengeance is making, and then like they're gonna bring in a female audience, and you know, because it's gonna be a female character, and they're like, ah, we gotta, we gotta have it, and it was so like hated within the whole uh, like writers community that Shane Black basically like took off the next ten years, and he was kind of like, okay, you know what, you guys have at it, then I'm, I'm gonna stay out. So that's just kind of that's so that he just kind of disappeared. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like I said, I, I think I think the story's fun. I mean, I've often heard that yeah, that this kind of got him to stop making movies for a while. Yeah, and I think that that's a shame because he eventually got back to it. But yeah. uh, like I said, I, I really like the longest good night. So that, that's just a shame that that had that effect on his career. Yeah. Uh, in an early cut of the film, Mitch Hennessy dies. Like I said, his members said you can't kill Sam Jackson, so they changed the final cut. On The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon in July 14th, 2019, Samuel L. Jackson listed Mitch as his favorite role. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's a it's certainly a fun role. Yeah. I think you know, that's why. He gets why. to be cool. He gets to be funny. Yeah. He gets to, mm-hmm. yeah, he gets to do all that really cool stuff, uh, I think. And... You know, because because he's he's sort of unpredictable. He's nice, but then he also has gets to have like an edge. You know what I mean? So, um, released in October of nineteen ninety six with other movies such as so the other movies that were uh, actually I'll save that for the end. During development, New Line Cinema considered turning the lead character into a male. Steven Seagal and Sylvester Stallone were considered as suitable choices if the lead had gone that way. So. There you go. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely an alternate reality to think about. But that, yeah, you know, it's it's fun to think of these alternate versions of what these movies could have been. I can't imagine Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> and then he probably would have changed it and like done all this other stuff and like hacked up, you know, uh, Shane Black's script. Uh, so yeah, I that's glad that 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 didn't happen. Um, the budget was sixty five million. The box office did eighty. 9.5 million. So not you know spectacular uh it didn't even make uh you know double uh what they put in which is what is really considered a success in Hollywood. Um it was released in October 1996 with other movies such as Ransom, Space Jam, Jerry Maguire, Jingle All the Way, Beavis and Butthead to America, That Thing You Do and The English Patient. So it was kind of released, uh, you know, around like Christmas time. So they kind of got into where I remember even like, I think, was it Die Hard 2 or like Die Hard, where they started releasing these action movies towards the end of the year, like when there's like snow and like Christmas and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, like what. I'm yeah, getting- I mean, uh, Shane, ba- Shane Black just likes Christmas. I mean, yeah. it's 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 actually in nearly every one of his films. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, the one movie I can think that's in, that doesn't really have any Christmas stuff in it really is um, Monster Squad. But everything else, I think he's, any all of his big productions afterwards had at least some Christmas element to them. Like, The Last Boy Scout mm-hmm. takes place at Christmas. Right. You know? And, and Shane Black didn't, so does, did not write Die Hard just for, you know, for reference for everyone. No, 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 he didn't. Even uh, though that Christmas is, you know, in Die Hard. Anyway, um, Roger Ebert gave Long Kiss Goodnight 2.5 out of 4 stars. 
So he didn't. He didn't kind of really. He didn't really like it that much. Well, and you know, it's it is very much a popcorn movie, mm-hmm. but I think it's a movie that's aged very well because movies like this don't really exist anymore. And when when you look at the prism of where we are now, where everything's like Marvel films or yeah. everything's like based on pre-existing IP. To me, it feels like a fun throwback nowadays. Yeah, it's a very much a 90s action movie. I'll say that. Roger Ebert says, The Longest Goodnight is a cinematic book series of a biff, bam, whack action episodes, all more or less impossible surrounding larger-than-life characters. I liked it in the same way I like an arcade game. It holds your attention until you run out of quarters, and then you wander away without giving it another thought. He's not wrong. I mean, but you can either look at that as like, I mean, that's, I mean, whether you want that or you don't want that. And, uh, you know, as someone who's, who's watched movies all my life, that's kind of the thing that I like actually kind of enjoy most about movies. I like that escapism. Uh, I like that quality, like action filmmaking, but that's just me personally. Well, here, here's what I want. I want to get your reaction on this statement from Roger. Okay. Okay. All right, he says, The target audience is apparently 14-year-old boys and those who have not forgotten to think like 14-year-old boys, a group that apparently includes millions of filmgoers who like to see stuff blowed up real good. I admired it as an example of craftsmanship, but what a lot of time and money to spend on something of no real substance. Um, Yeah, there's not a great deal of substance in the movie, but I mean, but... I don't think that was ever intended to be. I think it is what it is. I mean, it's meant to be like a romp. Okay. You know, it's it's not it's not a commentary film. I mean, it's basically isn't here's the entire movie. Isn't Gina Davis gorgeous? Isn't <laughs> Sam Jackson cool? Well, I mean, that's and, really and, the entire and, movie. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, even I said it's like a typical '90s movie, '90s action movie. But like we said, it's with a, a little more depth in characters than most, right? And, yeah. you know, even with the convoluted plot, still, you, you still don't care because you're just kind of along for the ride. Like, it's just kind of a fun uh, sort of sort of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, these things aren't inherently bad because they're, they're not super deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a movie is intending to thrill you and to entertain you and to be escapism, that's, that's, that's okay if that's what their intention is. Yeah. You know, it's okay to have movies like that. It's okay to like. It's okay to ha- have popcorn movies. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have movies that that are just meant to make you go, "Wow, that was a cool explosion!" Or, "Wow, Gina Davis is gorgeous!" Or, "Man, Sam Jackson's cool." Right. You know, it's okay if that's the entire aim of the movie. Well, they, they could, I think that's well, a, they could have. Ma- that's my point, though, is that they could have made it more campy, right? But yeah. Shane Black's script isn't. I mean, it's campy, but in a kind of a different way, right? Yeah, okay. well, and like he's still, he still, he still wants you to. I mean, he he, he gives he gives depth to to, to the two leads, yeah. but they're really the only ones who get any depth. This is true. Um, and I mean, yeah. like I said, I don't, I I don't have a problem with movies being with being you know shallow in that way if they're if they're well made. Mm. And uh, and to me, this movie is well made. I see. Um, like I think it, I think it, I think it, it, it does what it intends to do. And you have to look at it as what it's meant to do. So if, I, if I'm if I'm going to review this movie, I'm going to review it as a action film. And as an action film, I think it's a, it's almost a classic. Mm, okay. Um, Rotten Tomato score critics seventy percent, audience 
70%. One of the, I don't know if it's the very first movie that we've reviewed that had the exact same score for the critics and the audience score, but that is absolutely amazing. We might have had some that were like one point off or two points off, but I think this is the first one I remember it being both equally exactly the same. Yeah, I can't think of any other ones for sure. Right. So there you go. 70%. Originally, the last page of Black's original 1994 script stated there would be a uh, sequel called The Kiss After Lightning, but that, of course, never happened. So, Which is a shame. I would have liked to have seen that because I, like I said I do oh. enjoy this film. And I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I'm going to get them always up for more Gina Davis. You know, like I said, I, I think she's great. I, I'll mention uh, the last one of the things I failed to mention that I was going to uh, remember in the show is that when they are at, uh, I think, what hotel? I can't remember what. Were they at the Taj Mahal Hotel or were they at the other hotel when uh, the long goodbye was on TV? Oh yeah, that's that's when they're in the that's when they're in the motel near the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. Sam Jackson's <laughs> Sam Jackson is smoking and having a drink, relaxing, and they they he's watching Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye on TV. Yeah, because I mean he's the, he's a detective, and yeah, the grocery store scene. But you you hear the music, The Long Goodbye. You know, <laughs> that was yeah. like fantastic, and I was like, hey, I I know that movie, I know that movie. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was awesome. But yeah, it's like just fitting knowing that like he's sitting there like watching that, you know, he's watching Marlowe, you know, he's he's a detective. He likes that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's awesome. Um and that just shows you Shane Black is, you know, a fan of that kind of stuff too, right? Yeah. Um all right, changing lanes. Um not a lot of notes I found on changing lanes. Uh I mean, it was done in 2002 and there was a lot of cast, but there wasn't a lot of like notes that I found. Um, and so, but here's, here's what I have a day after the terrorist attacks of September 11th to uh, 2001 director, Roger Mitchell had the world trade center towers digitally removed from the opening main title sequence in the film and the DVD commentary. He admitted that it was a mistake to erase them and made them appear as if they did not exist during the re-editing of the film. Mitchell reinserted them as a tribute. Because I guess that they filmed like with them in there, but then it got released like after. So they, you know, removed them. And then people were like, no, wait, like why? Like, you know, Um, in order to attract a wider audience, the theatrical trailer was arranged in a way to make the film look like a high acting thriller. Like we said, as opposed to the rather slow moving drama that it actually was, the movie was heavily criticized for misleading moviegoers. Yeah, the trailer is really interesting. If you've never seen it, it it makes the movie seem completely different than what it actually is. Yeah, I just remember the the scene where Samuel L. Jackson's like twirling the um the the, the, tire, the iron. tire iron. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ben Affleck got so cold standing under fire fire sprinklers for hours on end, so he took to wearing a wetsuit under his costume, under his actual like suit. Yeah, the movie's shot in the winter to, in like the winter in New York, and it looks cold. Well, I mean, there's he's, many scenes where you can. Yeah, but he's inside, like when the fire sprinklers going off, like where he's got he's getting the file or whatever. But I mean, I guess if you had to shoot it and like stand under there for like a long time while they're like, because there was a couple of you know 
resets that they had to do because they're shooting from inside the thing. They're shooting from outside through the window. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with Ben on this one. I don't want to be like cold all day. Go ahead. I was just gonna like say it's, like the movie takes place here in the winter and all the exteriors. You can very clearly see that the actors are. Uh, it's cold because you can see their breath very clearly when they're just breathing or speaking. There's lots of frozen breath in changing lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Ebert gave changing lanes four out of four stars. I, I think it's a really underrated film. I, I'm, I'm a big fan. He says, this is not a dumb formula about revenge. It doesn't use rubber stamp lines like it's payback time. It's about adults who have minds as well as emotions, and it can express themselves with an uncommon clarity. And it's not just about the quarrel between these two men, but about the ways that they have been living their lives. He's a Roger. Roger was a great writer. He, he sums it up very well. I mean, I I got that from like uh, the beginning, like the like the opening like paragraph of what he wrote about it. And you can go to rogerebert.com and, and, and look up like a lot of the movies and, and what he's written uh, about them. And, you know, sometimes, you know, cause he'll, he'll talk about it like a, a little bit from the beginning and then he'll kind of talk about it. Um, you know, to try to wrap you in, to try to get you interested in what he's about to write about. And then he writes about all the little intricacies and then he wraps it up at the end. And sometimes I take the quotes from the beginning or sometimes I take them from the end, depending on where I feel like, best summarizes things, you know, about how he felt about them. And, you know, since he liked the movie, I mean, he called it one of, you know, one of the best films of 2002. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's a movie that I don't know why more people don't talk about. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really great. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we didn't mention too, is I think that it really shows, uh, you know, AA and like what it really is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's one of the reasons that I, I like that scene very well is not just because of what Samuel L. Jackson's character says. I mean, it's great, but it also I think that it entails like, uh, you know, we all have an idea like it's very characterized on TV, uh, you know, about what it, what we think an AA meeting is like. And that to me had the most realistic version of what an AA meeting is really like. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's it very realistically handles the whole idea of sponsors and the, and the way that people are recovering addicts act. Oh, and you said in the pre notes, I didn't even know this. This wasn't even in here. That you said that well, Samuel L. Jackson is a recovering uh, alcoholic, and I drug said, addict. well, he's a recovering drug addict. And you said, yeah, yeah. in the movie that was real bourbon uh, that he asked for, like uh, you know, uh, that they poured. At, in the bar scene, in, in the bar scene, yeah, and he, and remember him doing him doing press for the movie, talking about how hard that was for him to be in front of a glass of alcohol like that because he he doesn't do anything like that now, you know, and how and they said that it was just a it was just a mistake. The prop, the the actor didn't realize the prop guy didn't check thoroughly, you know, right? Um, and it's so he he said he really just used that to, he just used that feeling in that scene to make it to make to really nail the realism of it. Um. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, because I mean, because because bourbon you can smell. I mean, it's like it's got a oh, distinct yeah, it, it, odor and it, it, everything yeah. else. Yeah, so 
Uh, so yeah. yeah, it definitely. Ha- I mean, it's got it's got its own unique aroma for sure. Yeah, that's what he said. What did you say? It was like the that was like the closest he's been to alcohol since he's like you since know, he went to recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading on his Wikipedia page that he said that he went to once he was like uh, I think his drug was like cocaine or something, but he went to recovery. He went to rehab for like five weeks, and then he left. When he left, he like went. Like the next day, he was like on the set of a movie, like playing a drug addict, and it was just kind of like really, you know, strange for him. But really, it made, uh, you know, he said it made a lot of, you know, sense in his mind. It was almost like a cathartic release, uh, you know, to be like, this is what you know I'm I'm supposed to be doing, you know, kind of thing. Well, and I'm just so glad that he he was able to 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 clean up his life and 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 you know focus on work and. Give us honestly so many movies and so much great work, and the fact that he's he's still going strong today, so many years later. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm just I'm, I'm just so glad that Sam Jackson is out there still making movies, still entertaining, and still being the icon that he is. Well, I mean, with a mentor like uh, Morgan Freeman, um, you know, who's also you know like a um, uh, you know Southern you know actor and and kind of you know being his shepherd you know through the process, but. Uh, but yeah, I enjoy just a, pretty much every, you know, everything that he's in, every character that he plays, uh, he's just absolutely, uh, you know, brilliant to watch, you know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, absolutely, uh, fantastic that we, we get to, you know, watch his movies and things like that. And there's a reason why he's, you know, been directed by all those guys that I mentioned, like Steven Spielberg yeah. and. Quentin Tarantino and George Lucas and and all these other you know uh, great directors as well. So and gets yeah, all I mean, the roles. He's called, in this, he, yeah. yeah, he's called Sam the Man by a lot of his fan base. And you don't get a name like the Man unless you're somebody special. Yes, you know very much so. Uh, so to kind of wrap it up, let's let's talk about recommendations. Oh wait, no, are we going to mention whether we're going to keep it an extra day or? Oh you know? yes, yeah. So I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Forget our own format sometimes. Yep. So yeah, Ryan, uh, if you were to rent these two movies from the video store, would you keep them an extra day, or would you get them back on? Would you get them back early to avoid the late fees? I mean, I, I'm going to be honest, okay, and and you may not like this, but I'm probably going to return them because it's kind of like once you've seen the long kiss goodnight, like you've seen it, um, and I, you know, there's not nothing, nothing that I want to like completely just like savor and be like, oh yeah. You know, I, I'm just not that kind of person. So, and then in changing lanes, it is rather like a, a good, you know, study and, and, um, you know, like our human existence and our, you know, sort of society and, and, uh, the world of which we live in. Uh, but I don't really, it's not one of those movies that you're just like, oh yeah, let's watch this. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, so yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably return both of them. Well, and you know, uh, it's no surprise based on what I've said that I'm going to take the exact opposite stance this time and say I would keep both of them. I okay. I, I own both these. Uh, I I love action films and I love movies about people and people's understanding of each other and how we interact with each other. And so these two movies scratch two very different itches in my personality. Mm. Uh, so I, I definitely like both these films and and think they're they're worth hanging on to and paying some late fees for. Mm, okay, but you know differences are what make us great. You know, if we all if we agreed all the time, it'd be, it'd be boring. Yeah. So you know. No, I mean, yeah. I I I see how it's like great and 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 appealing and things like that. Um, 
and I can appreciate it for that. But yeah, it's just not, uh, not totally. It's not know, for you. Yeah, and that's that's totally cool. Right. Exactly. Like I can, like I can enjoy them and then you know put them back on the shelf. You know what I mean? So it's totally fine for sure. Um. So recommendations. Um. I I thought I'll you know kind of hard about this because I'm like I don't I don't really know um the like another movie like Changing Lanes. I mean there's a lot of great movies that are like Long Kiss Goodnight and I think that Die Hard with a Vengeance that's like really hard to beat for me as far as like a action film. Um especially one starring like Samuel L. Jackson, right? Um but I like seeing Samuel Jackson's character like go through this, uh, you know, process of um, trying to better himself and things like that. It really reminded me of another movie that I saw starring Will Smith, who you mentioned earlier, uh, a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna, that's a good choice. Uh, so it was. Uh, it, it, Will Smith, it was um, kind of, what was it made? It was made in 2006, but it's a period film back in like uh, 1981 uh, where, you know, this this character, Chris Gardner, he's, uh, you know, single dad and he's trying to like make it um, and then tries to like sell this like x-ray machine kind of thing or whatever um, and and be this like great salesman or whatever. And I think it's like a real sort of like struggle of like uh, what, you know, it really takes to like, um, uh, you know, come from a place where where you're kind of like pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, I guess you would say. No, no. And I I, th- I think I think vibe wise, it would, it would work well with changing lanes for sure. So I think that's a good call um, for me. Uh, I'm just going to pick uh Another movie that I don't get to, I don't think it gets talked about enough when it comes to Sam Jackson is his performance. And that is the M. Night Shyamalan movie, Unbreakable, mm-hmm. where he plays a character who's a basically a man who's got a lifelong disability who's obsessed with comic books. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. But it's a really great, low key, dramatic performance from Sam Jackson. Again, it shows his range and the fact that he can be in all kinds of different films and always be compelling. I've, I've never actually seen Unbreakable. Um, it's good. I I don't want to tell you anything about it. Don't don't read anything about it. Just watch it. <laughs> you know, to it's me, a, it's a, yeah. To me, it's better to watch movies with like no pretense at all. Actually, you know, just just very very yeah, no me, li- very little about a movie, and I think that you appreciate it more because you don't have all these built up expectations about stuff. I always hated yeah. films, and we always uh, you know these trailers that show you like half the movie in the trailer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or completely hide the meaning of what the true movie is actually about, or you can tell you a different movie than what it actually is. Right. But yeah, Unbreakable. If you if you've never, if you've never seen it, um, just watch it. I, I don't want to say anything about it other other than it's a dark drama. Mm-hmm. Um, from the guy who did the six, the Sixth Sense, and Sam Jackson is really great in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's and it's really easy to do that, you know, to change you know trailers and to make it into something else. I mean, there's a whole you know trope of that on you know like YouTube and stuff like that where people have recut trailers to make them into comedies or horror, you know, make you know movies that are comedies like into horrors or make horrors into comedy films or something like like it's totally like off genre you know type of movies. Yeah, so it is very easy so much to do. change with editing. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. All it, but all, I, I think everything. 
all it takes is a little creative editing, a little music and mood, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, and you can change the context of just about anything. Yep. Um, but what we can't change the context of is that we love Sam Jackson. Mm. And that's how, how's that for a transition for you? Yeah, I know, um, right? We, 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 we love Sam. Like I said, I mean, I think, you know, if, if, even if you don't take our recommendations, go try to find a Sam Jackson movie you haven't watched and check it out. Yeah, go to, go to his filmography. Yeah, go to his filmography and, and find something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even if the movie itself is not good, I guarantee you he's not going to be the problem with it. I mean, yeah. he's going to be worth watching no matter what. Yeah, and he's not going to, you know, scene steal or any of that kind of stuff either. You know what I mean? I never right, kind of really overplays a lot of that stuff either. So, yeah. All right, well, it's about lunchtime, really, for me. So we gotta yeah. we got to wrap so, it up. Right, well, we're going we're gonna to wrap up so Ryan can go get a bite to eat. Yeah. So. Dun, 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 dun. Had a real good time today. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. My name's Ryan Agree. And I'm Matthew Esfri. Go watch the movies, guys. Thanks for checking out this episode of Video Culture. You can check us out on Twitter at Video Culture 2. That's the number two for two guys talking about movies like Ryan and myself. And you can also check us out on Facebook. Just search for Video Culture Podcast. Also, be sure to stop by our official website, video-culture.com. There we have the entire show archives, as well as articles about film. Yeah, so check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, come hang out with us, talk movies. Did you like the show? Do you hate the show? Do you like or hate the movies we talked about? Let us know. Come chat with us, and let's all watch movies together. Take it over to the courthouse. An ambitious attorney. File the papers and get out. A desperate father. I found a house for Valerie and for the boys. She'll have me back. Show me the house. You're approved. I thought you were going to say no. They had no reason to meet. Until today. You all right? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. You got any serious car? It's only going to take five minutes. Sorry, I gotta go. Well, can I get a lift? I gotta go, man. I'm late. Oh, man, don't leave me out here like this, Sorry, man. better luck next time. Hey, you're leaving the scene of an accident. Here to present some papers to the court. What do you got? I made a mistake. Bring me back that file by the end of the day. Hey, guys. Daddy. I'm really late. Mom went in already. This guy hit me on the FDR. He cut me off. You know, if this was my marriage and it was this important to me, I would have been here on time. Next case. It's from the file. He's got the file. How'd it go? I'm really sorry. You're sorry? Want to go to jail? What? You didn't know who these people were? What do I do? You need that file. I will give you $10,000. You think I want money? What I want is my time back. It's going to be bad. Who's this guy? He helps out with things that need helping out. You'll get your file back. Mr. Doyle Gibson, he is now bankrupt. This is a mistake. I need this loan. I need it for my life. It says you're bankrupt. Academy Award nominee Samuel L. Jackson. You have the power to turn this on. You have the power to turn it off. It'll take me half an hour to get to my bank. Now, if my credit's not on by the time I get there, 
I destroy the fire. Academy Award winner, Ben Affleck. I need to turn back on right away. That's a little harder. Please, man, don't tell me that. Everything decent is held together by a covenant. And you and that, what's his name? You broke the contract. Changing lanes.